Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Roberta Shaler, PhD, the relationship health doctor, provides urgent and ongoing care for relationships in crisis. Her mission is to provide the insights, information, and inspiration for clients and audience to transform relationships with themselves and other humans to be honest, respectful, and safe in all ways. Even the United States Marines have sought her help. Dr. Shaler focuses on helping the partners, exes, and adult children of the relentless, difficult, toxic people she calls hijackals to stop the crazy making and their insanity. Author of 16 books, including Escaping the Hijackal Trap and Stop the Crazy Making, she hosts the internationally popular podcast, Save Your Sanity, Help for Toxic Relationships. Her YouTube channel, For Relationship Help, has reached a half a million views. Well, welcome, Roberta. Thank you for coming today. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. And you make a, di- a big distinction in your books between difficult people and relentlessly difficult people. What's the difference? Well, you and I are the ideal of somebody who is a difficult person at some time. We're going to have stressors. We're going to have anxiety. We're going to blurt something out. We're going to hurt somebody. So we're difficult in the moment. But people who have certain patterns, traits, and cycles are difficult all the time. And so they are the relentlessly difficult people that I put in the hijackal category. So let's go into that. You've coined the term hijackals for these relentlessly difficult people. How do you define hijackals? And can you give us some examples from your relationships? Well, the reason that I created the term hijackals is I found too many people were going to the internet. They were putting in their question. They were getting back a clinical diagnosis. And that's just not appropriate. Yes, it's a good idea to get some sense of what you may be dealing with, but people kind of grabbing onto the title. They were saying, oh, I'm with a narcissist or a psychopath or a sociopath or an antisocial or whatever Dr. Google spilled out. And so I thought, I don't, I don't think that that is helpful to people to think that they're with a person who has a diagnosis, but that person has patterns, traits, cycles, and behaviors that are predictable and common if they happen to be in the toxic person realm. So the definition of my trademark term hijackals is a hijackal is a person who hijacks a relationship for their own purposes and then relentlessly scavenges it for power, status, and control. Ooh, that sounds nasty. Have you had a person that's been a hijackal in your personal life? Sure, I was raised by two of them. And I had the great joy of being an only child. 
So yes, I've had hijackals in my life. And when you're raised by them, you will subconsciously marry one. It is very rare that that isn't the first marriage for someone who's raised by hijackals. So I had that experience too. Ooh. But obviously, you've grown beyond that. And you've also become a PhD, you become a doctor, and you've learned to analyze those relationships. How do you help people in a hijackal relationship? Well, first of all, they have to recognize they're in one. Because one of the things that healthier people do is they they compromise and they accommodate and they attempt to cooperate. And a hijackal loves that because it means I'm going to get more and more and you're going to get less and less, but I can keep you giving to me and I can keep demanding that you give to me. And so when you're in a, a relationship with a hijackal, that is what will show up. They will want more and more of the time, the airspace, the bandwidth, the be more demanding, less giving, all of those things will happen. And so when you look at the relationship and you step back and you find there is very little balanced here, but I am buying into the idea that the person that I met, and we need to talk about that, <laughs> the person that I met is the real person. And here I am with them maybe a year later, and I, I realize that slowly and sometimes very quickly, the relationship has devolved into one of total inequity and inequality. Well, so what's the first thing a person needs to do after they recognize they're in the relationship? Well, then they have to realize what's, what's my part in this and what's the other person's part in this. What am I doing? Because that's the only thing I can change. I can change my feelings about it. I can change how I view it. I can get better strategies after I get those insights. I can actually then begin to uh, empower myself. And usually you need help to do that. So first of all, do your part. After you recognize that you're in the relationship and you get some understanding of what the other person's patterns are, then say, how am I feeding into this? So an example of that would be that you might be condoning their behavior, maybe just because you don't do anything about it, but you may be actively condoning it, or you may be enabling it. And that's really important to figure out. Well, that's one of the hardest things I think a person does is once they figure it out, then they're trapped because they have a hard time actually leaving and standing on their own two feet and actually leaving that situation. They've invested a lot of equity into it. And all of a sudden that that investment has not paid off. And then they have to decide what they need to do for themselves. And I think what's important is this, is if a person's in a relationship for this, they have to do something for themselves. Is that not right? Yes, that's what I was saying. They have to do things that allow them to clarify their values, to clarify their vision for their life. Is this a relationship that I want to be in? Do I feel as though this relationship can move in any positive direction and let me find out? And so the first thing, the responsibility comes to you after you recognize those patterns to say, how am I feeding this? You know, my definition of enabling is that when you usually step in to fix, solve, justify, rationalize, excuse, or make the consequences go away for the poor choices of another. 
And if you do not understand that, you can think that you are being understanding. You are going the extra mile. You're giving them the benefit of the doubt. And you find that you've been doing that over and over and over, maybe for years. So seeing those patterns and saying, okay, I do not want to engage in those patterns anymore. What do I need to do? Yeah, and sometimes that means physically leaving the relationship. And fortunately, in our society, there's a lot of options for people now. There are help homes, there are psychological channels, there are YouTube channels like yours, but also there's people available that can reach out and help. How does a person connect with those some of those channels there, Roberta? Well, I don't know how you connect with others. I know how you connect with mine. I mean, that you can reach out to a domestic violence hotline. You can go to a, a women's shelter, a men's shelter. You can reach out in your community for sure. But, you know, for me, my YouTube channel is for relationship help. There's over 540 videos there. So you can do a search on what's bothering you at the minute or what you want to know about, and you'll likely find a video. Same with the podcast, Save Your Sanity. There's 190 episodes there. And also on the podcast that I, I stopped doing last year, there's 185 episodes of it there called Emotional Savvy. So the same thing. You can put in the words, you can learn more about that. And then, you know, when people want to work with me, I've been on Zoom ever since Zoom started. So I have clients all over the world, but I also have a membership site and groups and things like that. So there's a lot for people at every entry point. Now, one thing you do say is sometimes good people give too many chances. How do you decide that? your relationship's at an end and those chances have to stop. Well, let's just talk about for a minute that relationship coming to an end because it's really important, Alan, for me to put this in here. I believe unless there's sexual or physical abuse and if either of those are occurring, you should definitely see a doctor and the police on the same day and make sure that everybody knows what happened to you. But if there isn't sexual or physical abuse, I encourage people to empower themselves while they're in the relationship, because when you're feeling very down, when you're worn down, torn down, put down by life with a hijackal, you need some help to see what's possible and to do what I said earlier is learn some strategies, some skills, have some insights, try some things and Take yourself back, learn to set some boundaries, hold those boundaries, um, have consequences for the boundaries, learn what non-negotiable means to you. And then when you empower yourself, you will, you will do what the name of my upcoming book is, which you will be emerging empowered. Okay, so let's go through that word empowered. What does empowered mean to you? I've heard it said many times in many situations. So let's talk about empowerment for a few minutes. Sure. I mean, it's a word that has been well overused. So I think it's a worthwhile discussion. But, you know, to have some personal power means that you recognize that you choose your thoughts, your feelings, your um, next step, your responses to things, that you really understand that you have some power in this situation. You are not a victim. And if you find that when you examine that you have been behaving like a victim, or you have been saying, oh, nothing goes well for me, or I always choose bad partners, 
those words are not required. You don't need to always do that. You can you can have some power that you can take back and reclaim in your life to say, what am I doing in this situation that makes me susceptible to these situations or encourages me to participate in them? And when you take that personal power and you give it action, then you are empowered. Ah. So that's a good way to use that word empowered. As, as you said, I think it's overused. And I'm sure if we Googled it, we'd come up with a pretty um, a, a good ex- a, a di- definition of it. But I don't think that's the, in- the definition that I'd like to see used all the time. I think empowered means be powered and making yourself in the driver's seat rather than just being a person that's not in the driver's seat. Is that not right? Well, it, you can have yourself in the driver's seat. You know, when you're when you're escaping the hijackal trap, the other person has spent all of their energy endeavoring to have power over you. And so you want to be empowered yourself, find yourself, uh, re-examine yourself, as I said, your values, your vision, what is this the life you actually wanted? If you if you were a younger person and said, oh, I'd really like my life to be filled with abuse and fear and anxiety, I doubt that very much. So if you go back and say, I am in a relationship, I will honestly say I am in a relationship where I'm experiencing abuse, anxiety, isolation, things like that. That was never my vision for my life. That's not what I want now, for sure. And when you can have those conversations with yourself and maybe with some help to find those conversations, then you can find that personal power that will allow you to say, I don't have to make anybody else wrong. I just have to say this is wrong for me. Have you ever seen a person grow out of their toxic relationship with the person that's a hijackal? Well, there are degrees of hijackalness. <laughs> you know, somebody can be raised by a hijackal and they have what we call hijackal fleas, right? <laughs> they, they've learned some strategies from being with the hijackal. They didn't become one, but they have some strategies that they go to, particularly when stressed or anxious. Those people that are behaving in those hijackal ways, if they want to change, and they see a need to change, and they don't like what's going on, often I'll work with them, and they will make significant changes. That's rare. Absolutely, it's rare, because when you are raised by hijackal and you become one, that becoming is based in shame. And the shame has created such a hairline trigger for anything that feels as though it might be shaming. So you can look at a hijackal sideways and they're like, don't you do that to me, (laughs) right? They go right back to being shamed. And you may just have an eyelash in your eye, right? (laughs) But they are so trigger happy with no one's going to shame me. Nobody gets to do that. Nobody has a judgment about me. I am the king of the hill or the queen of the hill and all water runs downhill from me. Now that's an, an overt hijackal. That's the kind we often think of, the arrogant, entitled, um, out there, braggadocious, (laughs) all of that. But there are other kinds. And and I'll just speak of one, which is the covert hijackal. That's the one that's a little hard to see. And people come and they say, I don't know what's going sideways here. What is it? And we have to look really carefully because a covert hijackal plays the victim. 
oh, nobody ever cares what I want. Nobody ever lets me do what I want. My life is just service, 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 and nobody cares. And they, they do all of these victim strategies. And that too is very difficult to overcome. So to answer your question, rarely do people come out of the toxic relationship intact as a couple or as a mother and daughter or son and mother or whatever, um, because there is no shift that the hijackal can feel able to make. And one of the theses I've always said, it's not what happens to you, it's doing, it's what you do with what happens. So I think it's important that anybody that thinks they're in a hijackal role realize that you can do something about that. You're not uh, an inanimate object in this. You're somebody <laughs> that can actually grow out of this, move out of this, or do yeah. something about it. You don't have to stay in the situation you're in. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in answer to your question, very occasionally you can grow together out of this, but usually it means that you're going to leave because that's just not going to change and you're the one who needs to change. But you need to see that as a possibility that you can say, mm, no, this is not working. I need to do something differently. So what's the next step then? What's the next step a shirt person needs to do once they know they're in a hijackal relationship? Well, then they do the work to empower themselves. And once you get into that situation and you've examined yourself, then you start to make a decision. You know, there are many factors. People could be in a, in a marriage relationship or a partnership relationship. Maybe there's children. What are the ages of the children? What's the level of brain development of those children? What could they possibly suffer if you separated? What are they suffering because you don't separate? Getting all of that clarity is the empowering piece here so that you can emerge empowered because you need to say, I'm going to change and this won't change. And so then you move toward making the decision, stay or go. Then after that, there is so much about going that has to be helped. I walk with my clients through recognizing, right through recovering and rebuilding their lives, including the court process, selecting an attorney, doing all of that, because that's not easy. To select an attorney, of course, they always tell you that they do everything and they do it all well. <laughs> and you have to select an attorney that actually can demonstrate experience with people with hijackal tendencies. And so I help them do that. I help them become forensic accountants on their own behalf. Because when you're with a hijackal, it is highly likely they've taken over the finances. And in taking over the finances, there's money tucked away that you don't know about. There's offshore accounts. There's uh, things that used to have your name on it that no longer do. All kinds of things happen in that very practical realm that you have to look at as you're making the decision to go or stay. Okay, we're getting close to our end here, Roberta. If anybody would like to get in touch with you, how can they do so? Go to for relationship help, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P, 
shaylor.com. And you can find that. There's buttons in there that say contact Dr. Shaler. You can listen to the podcast. You can see the YouTube channel. You can read the blog. There's join the membership site. There's so much there. Well, thank you, Dr. Shaler, for being here today. It's been my pleasure to have you on this show. And I do wish you to have a fantastic day. And good luck with your relationship help as it goes on into the future. Thank you so much. Bye for now. Bye. I'm Dr. Ellen Leica. Make sure you go to drellenleica.com. That's D-R-A-L-L-E-N. Lyca, L-Y-C-K-A dot com, and get a free copy of my book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. And subscribe to our podcast on this page so you won't miss a single episode. Every week we have exciting guests to help you have the best life you can.